This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Scott Pencava. I think I ordered that the last time I was at Starbucks. I ordered the skinny, blonde fat latte Pencava. In any case, it was a yummy drink. It was actually really good. It had some coconut in it. This one goes out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast, pop culture and comic fans. In Asta, it's young giant robots fighting to the death, and it's not even my birthday. Steven's got a big creepy warehouse. Matthew has an abandoned satellite, and I'm pretty sure Rodrigo may be hiding in a reservoir under the city. But when danger rears its ugly head, the podcast team takes to the skies with a hearty, hey, it's that guy. Why? Because the last man. Crack that whip. Give the pass the slip. Try to detect it's not too late, because the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad you could join us this issue. Lots of things coming up a little bit later, including Why the Last Man. Because we like you. But first, let's get to some news. News! Got a couple items this week. We've got Danger Girl the movie. Atomic Comics in Arizona shuts down. Justice League of America will sell over 200,000 copies next month. Dynamite to publish The Spider and The Shadow Comics. Four items on that wheel. Let's spin it and see where it lands. Around and around and around it goes. And where it stops, only the Justice League knows. This is interesting. For the last couple of months, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. comics have not cracked $100,000. Or not $100,000. 100,000 issues copies. sold. Copies sold mm-hmm. in a month. And this has been going on about mm, four months now, maybe. Oh. At least four months, maybe five. But you've heard about this DC relaunch. I have heard about it. Where they're taking all their comics and starting them over with number ones. Yes. Apparently, Wait, they're doing new number ones? For all of their titles, Matthew. Even action comics, even detective comics. Wow. Even the Justice League of America. <gasps> oh, man. If you haven't heard about Somebody this before, have some, some sort of website that tells you about this. If you haven't heard of this before, you might want to head over to Majorspoilers.com. But check this out. The LA Times this past weekend sat down or had a chance. Uh, they were probably at the uh, D23 Expo. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not D23. That's not, uh, that's not Disney. Yeah, they wouldn't have said uh, that at D23. DC. But they sat down with uh, uh, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, and somebody let slip that, hey, guess what? The pre-order sales... For Justice League number one are in, and already pre-sales 200,000 copies. Now, that's a pretty big deal in a time, and not only that, six other DC comics are expected to hit over 100,000 copies each. Cool. Wow. So that's a lot of comics being sold in a time when comic sales are slumping. Back in the day, uh, people could have picked up a, a fancy X-Men number one, a million of them. Mm-hmm. And today they could pick them all up for a quarter at uh, Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies, Huntoon and Gage, Topeka. Is this a pretty big deal, Rodrigo? Um, now, is this, again, sort of the, the, the stores are buying this yes, many? Yes, pre, pre-sales, the... are, pre-sales are, pre-sales include the previews that people turn in saying, hey, 
put me down for a Justice League number one, mm-hmm. as well as the store going, hmm, this could be a big deal. Let me pre-order 50 more copies. Right. It's not, it's not in sales. Now, if I... I didn't do all the research because I didn't know where this was going to fall on the wheel. I can't remember if DC said these number ones were returnable or not. Matthew, do you remember? Or your store have that option of returning unsold number ones? I don't remember if... I think some of them are returnable, but I don't know that all of them are. I I, I can't say right off the top of my head. So again, and this is only in the direct market. This is only going through Diamond. This Mm -hmm. is not the ones that go to the grocery stores, the Pomidas, the Piggly Wigglies. (laughs) Um... (laughs) These are the ones just going to comic the duck book walls. shops. The duck walls, yes. Ah, poor duck walls. <clears throat> so, big deal? Well, yeah. I mean, I think... it. Here's here's why this is a, a big deal. It's not necessarily a big deal because DC is selling all these comics it, it, in a world in which comics don't sell that well. It's a big deal because it's a big uh, step for comics. Uh, um, comic book stores mm-hmm. to have that faith in right. this relaunch, right? Because if those guys were all being super cynical, I mean, if if the comic store guys were like, "eh, this is probably gonna blow over," we're just gonna buy our normal quota or whatever, yeah, or we're expecting to sell less, so uh, put me down for ten less, ten fewer mm-hmm. Justice Leagues, then that would definitely say something. What this is saying is that. That that middle part of the industry has faith in the DC relaunch. Oh, well, and that's good too. I mean, in in the past, um, you know, Marvel when they've when they've done stunts where the issue is sold out, Barack Obama on the cover of Spider Man, Spider Man saves the president's life. They announced that like two days before mm-hmm. it hits the uh, stands, and so there's long lines and it's hard to find the issues, and that right. ensures that you have sellouts and that things are going to go back to press. This time, the new number ones have been announced for, you know, three months before they hit the stores. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if some of that is going to, you know, the general public who aren't awares may not be lining up on uh, Comic Book Day next week to pick up this issue. Yeah. Matthew, I- I'm curious. Is this a big deal? Because uh, reports that I have heard all across the Internet say people are going into their stores in droves and saying cancel everything on my DC list. And if that's the case, how could they sell 200,000 copies? Well, I work in a call center, and my agents get all pissy and upset, and they say that our product sucks because everybody bitches about it. <laughs> we we talk to the 5% of people who are already pissed. The people on the Internet who are, oh, I'm going to cancel all my DCs, while perfectly within their rights to be upset, are the people who are vocally upset. To my mind... If you see that many people upset, there has to be some people who are not upset. And I think that the way that the retailers are approaching this is important. Um, In my experience, and I know of four different retailers, which means, wow, I know everything. But no, the the retailers that I'm familiar with are really embracing this and really trying to get people who keep saying, I don't want to read Action Comics because I can't read all 900 issues. these people exist. I don't know why, but they do. So this is a chance for people to jump in and see something new. And honestly, even if it's just the George Carlin train wreck theory, where the police exist to protect, to serve, and bring the bodies a little closer to the car as you drive past the crash, it's something that people are excited about, or at least interested in purchasing. I'm sure there's a speculator portion in here, 
there's obviously going to be a speculator mentality, but the fact is people are interested. People want to know where this is going. People aren't sure whether they hate it yet, but they're willing to give it a shot. Now, yeah. for me, the issue one sales aren't going to be the killer. The issue mm-hmm. three sales are going to be the killer because well, issue one usually drops like 50% orders to issue two. Right. And then issue three is usually the lowest ordered issue of any series. Now, how how involved are you of ordering the comic books at the store? Because previews, uh, the August previews were due this past week, and that included all the number twos. Were you able yep. to see a, a change? Did it drop that 50% or are you keeping uh, it the same I haven't actually been to work since the order was made, I don't Oh, believe. okay. Okay. Or if I have, they didn't mention it. Because Sunday we had a whole bunch of comics come in and we were kind of having an entertaining day. Okay. Got a Prez number one in like 9.8 condition. We're thinking about slabbing it. Nice. And you're going to keep it for yourself? I have a Prez dot one, and I don't need a book in 9.8 condition. <laughs> That's that's like saying, hey, do you want a Dodge Challenger? Sure, I do, but I can't afford the insurance. So just get me that 20-year-old Chrysler, and we'll call it good. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, Matthew, do you know how many uh, copies of uh, Justice League uh, of America number one that you guys have purchased? 75, I think. And how many do you think you're going to sell? 75, I think. Really? Okay. That'd be yeah, really great. Given, given that right now our best-selling books are running in the 25 to 35 a month range. I would say that, yeah, we'll probably sell all the Justice Leagues. Now, getting to, you know, the action and the Superman and the detective and that carries with me. I think when we get down to the likes of, you know, your Captain Adams, when you get down to your All-Star Westerns, when you get down to those under the Blackhawks, you know, those things I think are going to be a little more niche markety. Oh, sure. You know. So uh, give me a prediction. What are the other six titles that have 100,000 pre-orders? Batman, action. Detective, Action Comics, Starfire's Boobs, Superman. Superman, Superman, possibly Green Lantern. Oh, Green Lantern, yeah. And, and one more. And, uh, what are the other books? Well, you've got Batgirl. Uh, you got Batgirl could be uh, one. Um, uh, you've got what else is on that number one? Batgirl list? is controversial. It's a big deal. You know, people might be buying that to see what the dealio. Yeah, that could be it too. What happens, what does this mean, Matthew, if, uh, is this a, I mean, what does this mean to the industry that's slumping where suddenly we bounce back up to 200,000 for an issue sold and six others selling over 100,000? Again, what this means is the speculators, not the speculators, forgive me, the retailers are willing to take a flyer on this. Mm -hmm. The retailers are willing to double, triple, you know, they're willing to go in on this and say, we believe that this will sell. We believe that people are interested in this. We believe that there is enough interest to sell this. So it means that at least from an initial orders perspective, right now we have the makings of a pretty good success for DC. The thing is that, that, that we're going to see, you know, it, when these books start falling out, yeah. if the books fall out, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to. Well, we might go, I'll... we might have 12 issues in the can for everything and be, boom, we're done. <clears throat> well, to tell you the truth, I put in my order today uh, for with all the number twos, and I bet uh, for uh, September I bought all the number ones. Mm-hmm. For October, I think I'm down to about sixty-five or seventy percent of yeah. those. You've decided uh, you, know, you don't like those books. You haven't well, read yet. 
No, I've decided that, you know, I wanted to get all the number ones because I wanted to start off on these. The next group that I got, the 40 or so that I that I said I was going to get, were... These are ones that I, I have faith are going to be continue to be good, and most of them are the superhero stuff. But to be quite honest, the Minute War stuff, the War comic stuff, really doesn't interest me that much. So that one's off the list. Um, uh, there's the Penguin one that comes out. That's a new number one. Don't really care about the Penguin, even though it's in the Bat family. Some of the other ones, though, I know are going to start migrating over to digital. So I'm going to start looking for them there. And the other ones, you know, if the first issue is really good and I didn't order them at the number two, I know I have a comic book store here in town that I can go and pick up that particular issue if I need it or if I really want it. And if you're lucky. And if I'm lucky, considering our store. Uh, when it comes to next month's order, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet I'm going to be picking up about half of the comics that I was picking up the month before as we start to wheedle out the, uh, um, the, the titles that just don't, you know, strike my fancy. Weedle, weedle, yep, going to weedle them out. So, weedle. All right. If you want to comment on this story, I think it's a, I think it's a big headline. It sure would have been nicer if uh, Justice League number one had pre-sold over a million copies. But if you would oh. like to comment, if you would like to uh, join in on the conversation, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com or click the link right there in your show notes, and it'll take you to the story. Okay, some other things that you might want to check out over at Majorspoilers.com. Don't forget our hero history of Kablamicus. Still very awesome. And you still have a few more days, basically a week, to get in on the new Frontier Absolute Edition contest that we have going on. You can find a link for that in your show notes as well. Don't have as many people entering this contest as we have in the past, Rodrigo. It really, you know, somebody asked me the other day, well, how come you didn't put up your, uh, your iPad contest yet? Well, it doesn't seem like people are too interested in contests. Mm-hmm. So maybe we won't do it. I don't know. People need to enter this contest. This is like an eighty dollars value. Uh, that would that would be sad because I'm already hard at work uh, on my uh, Grizzly Adams costume. We've also got the uh, top five podcast. If the second episode of that has been released, also if you like top tens and counting down things, you can check out our top ten Phineas and Ferb guest voices. Things like J.K. Simmons doing a voice in one of those episodes. Kevin Smith doing a voice in one of those episodes. So we count those down. And, of course, the ever-popular Major Spoilers Classified went live (laughs) last week. You heard it originally here on the podcast first, but I was finally able to twist Matthew's arm and get him to write it all down. Commit it to electrons, and you can read the Franklin Richards Paradox right there at Majorspoilers.com. And blow your mind. Blow your mind. That's not my mind, madam. When we come back... We've got reviews. How to get a major spoiler shout-out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, Sit back and relax, and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 20-06. Once again, thank you to everyone who is a donor, who has made a donation to the Major Spoilers cause. Those one-time donations really help, and of course $10 or more gets you that shout-out. We also really appreciate everyone who has done the recurring donations, the 2 the 5 the $10 a month recurring donations. I know some of you have canceled your recurring donations. That is like a stab in Matthew's heart. He feels it. He's pained. 
I think somebody canceled their subscription the other day, their recurring donation, and Matthew bit down so hard he was grinding his teeth, he actually cracked a tooth. Eh, and now, because spoiler. Major Spoilers doesn't have a health care plan, Matthew is going to have that tooth go rotten, and he's going to die in a, in a shallow <laughs> ditch somewhere, all because someone canceled their recurring donation. The doorknob, or a passing subway train. We do appreciate it. It does keep the lights on. Uh, we do have some increased costs going on because, man, more people are coming and checking out the Major Spoilers podcast. More people are coming and checking out the Major Spoilers website. More people are checking out the Major Spoilers experience. And we would like to keep the Major Spoilers experience going. So if you want to uh, help out, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. There on the right side, you can see the donation buttons right there. Enough for the PBS pledge break, Rodrigo. Okay. Let's get to some reviews. Ah, this past week, the very last issue. We were just talking about uh, Justice League number one coming out next week. This past week, Justice League number 60 came out, the final issue of the Justice League of America. Matthew, break it down for us. This is one with, like, ape ape member and uh, star guy and the other person that nobody gives a crap about, right? (laughs) Oh, God, I I really hope there actually is a superhero (laughs) called ape member. (laughs) (laughs) This particular team was assembled by uh, Dick Grayson, who was one of the many, many Batmings, and uh, Donna Troy, who... Actually, honestly, I don't even know who she is. She's got more superhero identities than Henry Pym. But the other members of the team consist of Johnny Quick's daughter and Green Lantern's daughter and Superman's cousin and Starman's friend from another planet. And yes, Congorilla, the Golden Gorilla, a.k.a. Ape Member. <laughs> Which, uh, wow. <laughs> Going to hell for that joke. I'll say this, the cover is phenomenal. Ivan Rice did this cover, and I'm sitting here thinking, if all the issues looked this good, I I might have been happier with this book. Because, I mean, Jessie Quick looks amazing, and Supergirl's wearing boxer shorts under her little skirt, so she no longer looks like a preteen trollop. Um, James Robinson is an enigma, uh, wrapped in a riddle and deep-fried in tempura batter, because... I either love him or I want to find him and punch him in the face. Uh, his run on Starman 15 years ago was simply awesome, stunning, amazing work. Stellar. And the th- uh-huh, that- I see what you did there. We all see what you did there, Joey. <laughs> I'd like to have sex with her, if you know what I mean. Now, this particular series of Justice League has been full of starts and stops, and it hasn't really ever gotten its full momentum, which is why this last issue is such a freaking annoyance, because it's really, really good. And it tells what are clearly the stories that James Robinson might have wanted but not been able to tell. We start out with the team sitting together and talking about, oh, yeah, the things we did, like the time that the construct took over all the robots in the DC universe, and we had to fight everybody, Mr. Adam and uh, Mechanique and, and Bozo the Iron Man. Now, Bozo the Iron Man, by the way, is an old quality comics hero who has never been brought into the DC universe until now. The GI robots and all of these, you know, really wonderful, cool concepts. And then they're like, yeah. And remember that time that Supergirl had to save the world? And then you remember that time that Saturn went to war with Thanagar? 
And then we all fixed it and stuff, and Jade saved the day. And every single one of these stories really seems like something I'd want to read. A book where Gem, son of Saturn, teams up with the Justice League to save the world from the faceless hunter from old uh, Forbidden Tales from 1960-something. Or, you know, the battles where the heroes all came together to save the gem world. And Starman had to go hand-to-hand combat with Dark Opal. All of these tales that didn't really get told, Robinson has made canonical because this story jumps forward in time several months from where we left the Justice League last issue. So we have a pregnant Jesse Quick. What? We have, yeah, Jesse Quick got pregnant while we weren't looking because, you know, it's been several months. So she's quitting the team because she's pregnant. And, of course, Starman is quitting the team because he was badly injured in the magical battle with Dark Opal. And Congo Rilla, ape member, is quitting because the heroes of Africa need a leader, and he's going to make his own Justice League of Africa. I thought that's what Batwing was all about. No. Well, one guy to cover an entire continent? Seriously? You got got Batman. That's... There's that's a, that's kind of how moment. that's kind of how both how both Marvel and DC tend to do things. It's like <laughs> New York City needs five hundred heroes, five thousand heroes just in New York City, and then every other country that is not Africa or that is not in Africa or Asia get, may, get yeah. maybe gets one or maybe gets a whole team. Yeah, yeah. if China Wolverine comes guys. from there, yeah, and then Asia and Africa usually get one guy and usually he comes from a fake country (laughs) yep canada gets a team because they're america's hat and uh mexico usually gets like a team or you know several members yeah i I don't understand why el santo didn't come back but that's another story for another time well maybe that'll be the next relaunch title this issue is uh I, i watch a show called um how i met your mother And on this show, there's a man named Barney Stinson. And Barney has a lot of theories, mostly about relationships and how to get women out of their pants. One of his theories is called graduation goggles, where you hate high school for five years and you get to the end of it. And then you're all, you know, oh, you're going to miss everything because it's almost over and you're getting to the end. This issue is 32 pages of graduation goggles because I look back at the James Robinson issues of Justice League of America and I go, God, that annoyed me. Why did they have Brett Booth drawing it? Why didn't they do this? Why did they do that? How did they do that? Who came up with this and who are the ad wizards that came up with this one? But I read this issue and I start hearing, you know, pomp and circumstance playing in my head and thinking about what might have been. And this, this story is literally what might have been. And it ends with Dick Grayson and Donna Troy just having a quiet talk about whether the world will remember their version of the Justice League and everything that they did. And, you know, the two best friends get in the teleporter and they're like, it's been fun, but all things have to end. And they teleport away. And we never find out whether, you know, Picard's future actually happens. Well, Although but you know, re- reread that again and start back the generation. Reread that last line again in in the scope of what's happening. Do you think people will remember us? Oh, we're getting ready to relaunch things, change things around. Is this continuity going to be wiped out? Will people remember this continuity, not mm-hmm. necessarily this Justice and, and League? In, and in a sense, will people remember me, the author, as yeah, yeah. somebody who wrote yeah. the Justice yeah, League? At exactly. All? 
Will they, will they remember there ever was a time that Congorilla was in the league? I'm going to give you three names of people, and you tell me Justice Leaguer or not a Justice Leaguer. Ready? Oh, everybody's Ooh, Tasmanian Justice, Devil. Tasmanian Devil. Not a member. Yes. Tasmanian Devil was a Justice Leaguer. Oh. Maya. Yes. Yes. Maya was a Justice Leaguer. Hooray. Damian Wayne. Uh, oh, no, I don't think he's been a Justice League member. There have been lots and lots of Justice Leagues, and every Justice League has their character. And this is the one that had Congorilla. And this is the one that had Supergirl as she broke out of her jailbait phase. And this is the one that people mocked because it had a lot of former Teen Titans in it. You know, this issue is really good. This is a four slice of meatloaf affair. It's well drawn. It's well written. It tells you stories that you aren't ever going to see, and it makes you want to see them. It makes me want to know about the war between Saturn and Thanagar and the Hawkmen attacking Saturn and, you know, how, what's going to happen with Congorilla going off to Africa to take African heroes and mold them? You know, I want to know what happens next. And the answer is nothing because we're getting a revamp. So as much as these last couple of months of books have honestly been kind of filler, at least Robinson manages to go out on a note where, you know, it's, it's kind of sentimental and it's kind of like, yep, this sure is the graduation goggles and I, I'm going to miss you all and I'm going to sign your yearbook and say friends forever. And then 20 years from now, we're going to meet on Facebook and have nothing to say to each other. So that to me is kind of a triumph in its own way taking a last issue that makes me like the arcs that came before it because i liked that last issue so much that's pretty impressive yeah that's a feat there you go and it's got a giant ape member in it ape member rodrigo coming yes, out this week from boom studios attached to an ape part of their kaboom <laughs> imprint mm-hmm. word kaboom, girl bitches <laughs> yeah that's a pretty good one <laughs> That's right, Word Girl. Um, and I've actually Coalition of Malice. Coalition of Malice, which is such a, such a great title. It's so great, I forgot it. Um, <laughs> no, but it really is because you know if you're if you're familiar with Word Girl, it it really it really fits. Um, so Word Girl is this educational superhero on PBS. What PBS? You say? Mm-hmm. Um, on on the PBS Kids or PBS Kids Go, depending on on what time of the day they're airing it. Uh, on your station um and she is a superhero from the planet lexicon and her powers are that she can fly has super strength and has an amazing vocabulary (laughs) um kind of like my wife yeah and and the show the show's really funny um and you know largely involves her dealing with her kind of nincompoop supervillains um, as they try to pull heist and, and, and in the process educates people about uh, word usage. It's 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 kind of a funny show. And now uh, Boom Studios has put out a comic. And of course, I'm holding it to a very high standard because I actually right. like this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I got to say, the art on the first story is a little much. It It goes really far away from the model. Everything's really exaggerated, and Word Girl actually has a very conservative, like the 
the characters are kind of wacky and out there, but it has a very conservative animation style. Mm-hmm. Characters don't, their faces don't warp so much, and it's all yeah. that very smooth flash style of animation. Yeah. Um, but in the in the first story of the issue, characters are kind of all over the place, and they do that thing that is very popular now, where somebody's like really determined, and they only draw like their bottom lid closed, and they look kind of manic. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that happens a lot. And basically, the the point of the first issue is that all of her villains team up into the Coalition of Malice to defeat Word Girl, who is very tired, so she falls asleep while they're trying to defeat her. <laughs> and so they end up kind of saying, well, we should unmask her. It's like, well, that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And so they go back and forward and end up just fighting amongst themselves, and that's that's kind of the issue there. Yeah. Um, there's some other twists and turns, along with the fact that Word Girl doesn't actually wear a mask. So I'm guessing what? they're they're going to unhat her to see, judging by her haircut, who she's <laughs> supposed to be. Um, the second story is a little bit; the art is a little bit closer to what what uh, Word Girl tends to be on the show, and it's about her fighting Lady Redundant Woman, um, which is which is a great villain, <laughs> um, in, in my opinion, <laughs> and. Uh, that one, that one is a lot more like an episode. It seems a lot more like an episode of Word Girl. The the problem I have with this is that I don't know if they've put out other Word Girl books. If Boom Studios has, uh, I don't know if they have or not. I think this may be, uh, this may be one of the first ones that they yeah. that they have. I remember it was announced a while ago. But uh, the the thing is, although this is a good continuation of the show, it's not a good introduction to Word Girl. Hmm. So I gotta I gotta wonder if a little bit more. Uh, 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 a story that wasn't like here's all of Wargirl's villains at once would have been a, a little easier on the kitties as they're as they're ramping up into comics. Um, all in all, though, it's pretty decent, good coloring. Um, again, the art kind of threw me off on the first one. I'm gonna give it two and a half slices of meatloaf. Eh, I'll give it three because because Wargirl is is pretty solid, and in the end, it has this little. Uh, Thing where it goes over all the words that were important in the issue, like in mm-hmm. Word Girl. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's clear that it has an educational bent that wasn't lost out of the book. It's not like they're taking the character and making it like pure action. Right. Or whatever. It still has, you know, vocabulary words that are important throughout the uh throughout the piece. Yeah. So they got that going for them. We have not yet graduated to Word Girl in this house. We're still at Super Y. Yeah, yeah. Word Girl is definitely for kids who can read i would say yeah, i mean yeah. it's it's in that yeah. it, it's in that echelon of of stuff yep so you might not ever get to see it because i mean it, it has been successful i bet it's gonna but... be you know the same way with that we find a lot of these other shows like the leapfrog stuff and mm-hmm. it's because of netflix or oh, something yeah. like that so if it's on netflix i mean my son was watching fat albert from 1972 the other day so right. well word girl word girl is is a lot of fun because it has a lot of those superhero tropes mm-hmm. you know it's clear that whoever's writing it uh sort of has that working knowledge of superheroes you know the secret identity mm-hmm. the villain the lair you know there's a lot of these things where like how do superheroes f- even find out that this stuff is going on you know right so a lot of the time in word girl there's this guy who run just runs into world girl's house and says oh the butcher is attacking the city and she's like okay why are you here and he's like oh isn't this a police station <laughs> and it's always the same guy and wherever they are he'll just run into like the supermarket and say oh dr two braids is attacking the city yeah 
That's pretty because funny. he thinks it's the police station. So, you know, it's got little jokes like that. It's yeah, good yeah. times. All right, cool. So that is from uh, Boom Studios out this week. Also out this week from Dynamite Entertainment, Warehouse 13 number one. Rodrigo, you watch the Sci-Fi Channel, don't you? I are, did are back fa- when I had cable. Are you familiar with this show, Warehouse 13? I am familiar it, it, with it's it. This, it's the story of uh, these two agents who discover this warehouse where all of the weird mystical artifacts from around the world are housed and stored. And they end up getting assigned there to go and search and help and hunt down all of these weird mystical artifacts. Now, this has been going on, what, three seasons, four seasons, something like that now on the Sci-Fi Channel. I remember watching the first season, thought it was a lot of fun, but then it started getting a little, what's the word, hokey? Sci-Fi. No, Sci-Fi Channel-y. You know Mm -hmm. how Sci-Fi tends to get their fingers and thumbs all over it? Mm-hmm. All over yes. a show, and and the problem with cool sci-fi anymore. is that they have a lot of thumbs. Yes, they do. But uh, Dynamite was able to uh, work something out to get Warehouse 13 as a comic book series, and this reads like a Sci-Fi Channel uh, episode. So that's a bad thing. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I don't watch a lot of sci-fi stuff anymore just because I don't have time. Right. But this is this is this is like yeah the Phineas and Ferb marathons usually take priority. Uh, Warehouse thirteen is like one of the number one, the top show on the Sci Fi Channel, and it's it's well done. It's got the elements of Matthew. What was that show back in the like late eighties, early nineties, where they had to go track down thirteenth the series? Was that what it was? They had to track down all the possessed and cursed items. All the possessed items from the uh, from the junk shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that series. Um... This one, they the, the agents have to go down to Rio de Janeiro because this massive sinkhole has opened up, and several have opened up around the world. And they find out that there's a local miner who was about to go bankrupt, but now, every time he digs, he strikes gold. And they discover that he has had this ancient Chinese hammer that you hit the ground and you get whatever you want comes up, mm-hmm. but at the cost of taking it from somewhere else, which is why these sinkholes are appearing. Mm-hmm. And of course, just like every episode of Warehouse 13, there's a fight to get the artifact back, and then they finally succeed at the end with a little bit of comedy relief and a little hoo-ha and a hee-ha. End of story. Uh, the art is pretty good, although don't expect to see exact likenesses of the characters uh, in the comic book. Mm-hmm. These rights issues, licensing rights issues, always spring up when you can't use the likenesses. Uh, and that's kind of a shame because uh, the female agent on the show, she's quite attractive. I forget uh, what her name is. Her last name is Margulies. Okay. Juliana How, Margulies. However they draw her in the comic book, she doesn't look as attractive. And mm. this is an episode where they get dressed up in uh, carnival uh, gear nice. and parade around the streets as they track their prey. So plenty of opportunity for some uh, interesting art moments that really just don't uh, don't get off the ground. But still, this was a fun read. I enjoyed it. It reminded me of everything that I liked about the series when I was watching it. The characters are identifiable. It's short and to the point. It's not a continuation. It is a done-in-one. And it's got the hokiness that you expect from a Sci-Fi Channel uh, original series. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving this issue four out of five stars. It's a good read. Go nice. pick it up. It's uh, If you like Warehouse 13, I think you're going you're gonna to enjoy this book. If you've never seen an episode of Warehouse 13, then... Probably you're going to have to give a pass because if, unless you're familiar with the characters and the backstory, a lot of the uh, in-jokes and a lot of the uh, references of what goes on in this warehouse are going to go over your head. So 
There you go. This week, we ended up with two four slices of meatloaf reviews and one three slice of meatloaf review. If you want to find some more reviews, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Check those out, including uh, what's coming up next week. Matthew, we've got uh, the Justice League uh, number one review that'll be up there. That is correct. So people and will be And hopefully we will agree or not. Or not. That's what the robot overlord is always hoping that we don't agree. Uh, in the next day or so, I should also have the new stick. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles review up as well. The Teenage Turtle Ninja Mutals. Yes, they're back. Did you not hear? IDW Publishing. I didn't know they left. Yes, they left. Did they? To go seek their fame and fortune on television, and perhaps in direct-to-DVD direct movie. Mm. Dude, there was a Turtles series like a year and a half ago, I swear to you. Was there? Well, they're back in yeah, comic books. And we'll have that review up on the site shortly. And now that the review is over, it's time it's for time. our favorite... Oh, gosh, always interrupting me. <laughs> always with this guy interrupting me. Uh, oh, gosh. with the interrupting over here. <laughs> My dear friends in Zoidberg, I present to you this week's major spoilers poll of the week with these Transformer guys and and the robots and the fighting and the glaven and the nice lady with the thing and and like that. Stephen, go. Back in the uh, '80s, there was a two cartoon series: Transformers and the Just Gobots. Two? Well, I don't know. There may have been Jim. more. Jim and the holograms. Jim is she not a transforming truly, robot. Truly, she was truly outrageous, really? but she was not a transforming robot. She was trans robot. something. That was the outrageous part. <laughs> you know, you can get that whole entire series now on a collector uh, DVD. They edition. call her Jerrica, but it, not for nothing are the first two syllables of that Jerry. I'm just saying. All right. So um, I uh, didn't have cable growing up. Mm-hmm. We had the four channels that we could get. Stephen, there was no cable when we were growing up. Yeah, there was. Um, my friend, people Mike, it. though, lived in town, and I would go over to his house in the afternoon after school while I was waiting to go do something else, basketball game or something else. And he would always sit down and insist that we watch these cartoons because he had the little toys. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so I sat through and watched Transformers and the GoBots and never really gave a crap about either one of them. Mm-hmm. But... I voted uh, Transformers was the uh, better was the better show of the uh, of the eighties, just because they're Transformers. Mm-hmm. Although, if my friend Mike was here, he'd say, "Oh no, Gobots!" Because he is all about the Gobots. Mm-hmm. He liked them better than Transformers. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what about you? Um, for me, it's it's uh, it's kind of complicated, I guess. You know, there you hear a lot about you know how Gobots kind of technically came first, right? Um, but I, I think that in the end, it's all like who was more successful in the end. And, and you hear very little about GoBots except how they totally awesomely came first. <laughs> um, so I'd have to go with Transformers, I think partially because as the lines, because GoBots actually continued into the 90s. They were actually putting out GoBots toys. Oh, yeah. Um, and those made it to Mexico because the cartoon was popular enough in Mexico, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing them and right thinking... Right next to Spader-Man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, a lot of that stuff that, that just kind of flies by night in the United States. Like, we were getting a lot of anime and manga oh, yeah, stuff, yeah. like Space Sagittarius and crap like that. I was going to say, didn't um, you get Punch Man K before... Yeah, we did. got translated? 
Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it was that one that one was a problem because it was voiced in Argentina, so he sounds like totally posh. Anyway, <laughs> um, what was I getting at? Something that actually happened. Something uh, about the oh, GoBots yes. were more um, popular because you just the, saw Psykill. I remember you knew that you had to have Psykill as part of your collection. Uh, no, I, I I remember seeing the GoBots toys, and the GoBots toys just were not as complex as Transformers. Right. Like there were multiple characters who had the same sculpt. They were basically right. the same toy, whereas every Transformer or most Transformers were basically unique. Yeah. You did have like repaints and mm-hmm. different things. But you know, Optimus and Prime and Bumblebee. Right. Um Optimus Prime and Bumblebee were not the same guy, whereas sometimes multiple characters who were important to the plot for GoBots, which I don't even remember, um, were actually just the same thing with mm-hmm. like slightly different paint. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Transformers, largely because I think they were able to continually propel themselves forward. Right. Um with yeah, with their because they're cars. <laughs> right. Matthew, it comes down to you. When I was a kid, I had no money. So when my cousin Elwood started buying Transformers at the local Duckwalls, I used to go and buy the GoBots because you could buy five GoBots for the price of one Transformer. And I was all of 13, 12, 13 years old. And there came a day when I went to the Duckwalls and I picked up a toy and it was a GoBot. And the GoBot's name was, and I am crapping you negative, Screwhead. Because <laughs> he had a screw for a head. And I said to myself, the only way that Screwhead will ever be cool is if five or six years in the future, a guy with a chainsaw for a hand uses it as a pejorative against a bunch of ancient Knigets. <laughs> That's the kind of kid I was. But more importantly, the, the, the thing about the GoBots was, unlike Transformers, I believe Transformers actually was three different sets of toys that were all bought, the molds were all bought and brought over by Hasbro and turned into three different sets, which is why there's, there's the Optimus Prime kind of Ironhide set, and then there's the Bumblebee Cliff Jumper kind of set, and then there's the weird characters like, you know, Perceptor, who's a microscope, and uh, Reflector, who's a, a thing, and then uh, Skylinks, who God only knows what Skylinks is. I, I think Skylinks is what we refer to as an abomination before God. But the GoBot toy line was all one company. And that company later became Bandai. And when they became Bandai, they got good at making toys. But at the point in time that they were making GoBots, they weren't. And worse than that, the guys who actually created, took these toys and, you know, named them and painted them and crap thought, hey, you know what? This guy's our leader. Let's call him Leader One. And this guy's a scooter. Let's call him Scooter. And this guy's a helicopter. Let's call him Copter. When everyone knows that his Japanese name was Gyro Robo. Gyro Robo! <laughs> <laughs> so just based on the amount of effort put into it, I you have to go Optimus Prime. I mean, that's, that's fake Latin. Optimus Prime. It doesn't mean a damn thing. It doesn't mean anything more than Screwhead. But, you know, if Screwhead was like Screwicus, Screwicus Cranium, then you'd be like, crap, I want to buy a GoBot. 
if leader one had a name, I don't know. Let's give him a decent name. He's like an F-14 Tomcat. Let's call him Afterburner. anything but leader one. Afterburner would be good. Yeah. Power, power dive. Mm-hmm. Or uh, wait, there was a transformer named power dive. Well, I'm pretty sure there's one called Afterburner too. I- I'm certain of it. Oh, okay. Uh, blood blister. Uh, <laughs> pavement. Base coat, anything but leader one. Passover. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what kids did with the toys. They passed Mm. over. Aha! Where's the spoon? So, yeah, I voted Transformers too. It took me 20 minutes to say, I voted Transformers. You're welcome, America. How did the rest of America vote? Well, 344 votes is what I'm seeing right now. And a whopping 19 people chose GoBots, 94% of the votes. And uh, in this case, you chose a particularly attractive picture of Leader One and an ugly picture you know, of Optimus Prime. You know, if you go so. and look for GoBots, that's about the only picture you can find. Yeah, I know. Psy-Kill. If you actually go back, I, the one time I made a visual reference to GoBots on the site like a year and a half ago, it's that exact same damn picture. Yep. Psy-Kill. He's a motorcycle who's evil, so they named him Psy-Kill. That's, that's not even eighth grade clever. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's like, oh, I, uh, it's, it's better than four year old. My ears. <laughs> it's better that's, than four yeah. year old clever. It's, my son would call him Larry. <laughs> What's this guy's name? Larry. All right. It's Larry. <laughs> Poopy face, tomato nose. My daughter would probably have named him Tiara Dress. I, I'm pretty sure she has a hamster named Petals. We don't know why. All right, everybody. But, if you want to weigh in. On this, uh, and this is a user submitted. You? What's wrong with a user submitted poll of the week? You can head over to Major Spoilers. You got a week, and then it'll go into the archives. I guess you can still vote once it goes into the archives, but yeah, I think it's pretty much over. Didn't the GoBots have a good musical theme, though? I don't remember. Like I, you know, it's of- just such a blur. Because it was like, I don't I, care I re- about this show. Let's wait for Scooby Doo or the Jetsons. I remember GoBots more for the robot chicken appearances than anything else. Because yeah, when definitely. we talk GoBots, all I remember is Scooter getting his face cut off. Mm. That was kind of cool. Mm. Oh, and hey, Crasher listeners. was apparently female. Listeners, we have this uh, this number that you can call. If you would like to make a comment, if you would like to <laughs> share an idea or a thought or a criticism... Or whatever it may Wait, be. Is this the number that I call when I have an idea that I want to share? Because that's right. an entirely different number and requires a major credit card. <laughs> All right, everybody. We would certainly love to play listener comments, but we don't have any listener comments of yeah. people that have called into the hotline. Yeah, but seven eight five seven two seven nineteen thirty nine. The major spoilers. For God's sake, talk to us, people. <sighs> hotline. Somebody was just trying to call in, but I don't pick up the phone when the show's going yeah, on. The show. Let us talk. It's been a while. It's been, what, probably almost a year now? It seems like every year we hit one of the, one of these It volumes. seems like longer than that. I want to say it was around, I want to say it was around, like, November of 09. Maybe it? it was. I don't know. Why the Last Man from Brian K. Vaughn. Because we like you. It's now into its third volume. And every time, i got to say, every time I pick this up, I find it fascinating each and every time. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm reading these for the first time, and sometimes I am. <laughs> <laughs> we continue on our saga of York 355 and Dr. Mon. 
or Dr. Man. Man, I think it's... Uh, as uh, they continue to try to figure out why every man on the planet has died, except for York and a baby inside of a hot suite down in the bottom of a Kansas cornfield. Mm-hmm. And hot why a male monkey is also alive. Yes. And so we get a, a variety of different stories. I mean, we see a lot of, I think... Um, a lot more character development mm-hmm. going on in these characters. A lot of backstory, a lot of explanation of what's going on. So we've got a couple of different arcs that go on. Uh, the first one features, uh, it's called Tongues of Flame. And it's yes. really focusing on and religion. It's, it's, it's a double entendre, I believe, there. Yes. York uh, goes into a church and meets a hot little blonde girl, and they get it on. And then there's more some, to it than that. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's some some Amazons. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is uh, Stephen's reading of this volume. So Yurik goes into a church, and then there's a girl there, and they get it on. Later on, there's a lesbian scene in a ship. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> that. And and then don't forget that time that York almost gets it on with the hot captain yep, of almost, the ship. Yes. And then the time that uh, let's see who else almost gets it on. Oh, York and his uh, fiance. Yeah, in a flashback. York get it on in a flashback. Beth, the end. The end. I, I will say this about about this volume of Why the Last Man. This is this is the sexual climax. Yeah, 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 of of the story. I think. I mean, yeah. There, there might be some more, but everybody gets it on in this volume. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's been a lot of restraint on everybody's. Oh yeah, part everybody's up part. until yeah, now. Yeah. Well, and, um, I, and I wonder, you know, York goes into this church because he wants to confess that he has killed somebody, murdered mm-hmm. somebody. He feels like it was murder. And the girl he finds there had theology class, but of course she talks about how there are no uh, female priests, mm-hmm. so there's no way that he could get absolution. Even if he did murder somebody, which she did, uh, says that it's uh, self-defense. And then they get it on. And then uh, a couple of Amazons show up to uh, basically want to tear down the place. And York uh, pretends he's like some ghost god. He he pretends he's god, <laughs> and yes. he freaks the girls out, and they go a running. The end. He, yes, Yorick pretends the end. to be Yorick pretends to arc. be some god of some monotheistic yes. strange religion. Yeah, yes. it is the, actually the best pretty part good. about it, though. And I saw what your stepfather did, and one of the yes. girls is like, "You did." Yeah, yeah, and that's you, what you freaks her out. She's like, oh my god, he knows, it's true. He's that consummate a BS artist that he throws something like that in there, and it actually works. Well, and he's lucky that it worked, because um, the alternative was to say your uncle instead of your stepfather, and he was just you know right. throwing it out there to see what mm-hmm. would happen, just because he guessed that the people in this society are, are a little messed up. Um, we also get to see... Beth, who we haven't, you know, this girl's name that he uh, meets in the church, her name is Beth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his fiance Beth, we get to see her and we get to see what's happened to her. I don't think we've seen her anywhere nope. in the this last the two years. So two years have gone by and we finally get to see what's happened to Beth and she and another girl are walking through the outback and then uh, Aboriginal tribe sneaks up upon them. Mm-hmm. And that's all we know about Beth for now. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Then we get to go and visit Hero again. Mm-hmm. 
And at the end of the yeah, last yeah. volume, I like the huge. poor messed up girl. At the end of the last volume, basically the last thing we see, I believe, when they leave Kansas, mm-hmm. Kansas, Kansas. Did you hear about the cosmonauts in Kansas, Marysville, right? Was it Marysville? I think is where they uh, they were going to lock was it her Marysville, up. Marysville, Kansas. It was Somethingville. It was at the jail one, right? Not the uh, not the bunker. No, it was at the jail. It, it was at the bunker. Oh, like okay. the last thing they do is is the the whole cosmonaut thing. Oh, okay, all right. Um, and then the Israelis show up. Dun-dun-dun. Something like that, which is the the person that Yuri kills. Right. Um, but the last thing we see is Hero shows up there. And we're we kind of have this like oh crap moment. Hero's gonna come in and kill the last boy, right? Um, who I believe is they've named Commandy. Um, <laughs> He's the first boy. Oh, was that the first boy? <laughs> He's the first boy's anthro. <laughs> the last boy is Commandy. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, um, they uh, but. In this, so we don't get to see what happens, and then in this right. issue, it's like you get to see uh, the hero's journey, which is actually, I believe, what the issue is called. Right, right. Um, and you see that by the time that hero makes it to Kansas, she's had, she's been deprogrammed, mm-hmm. sort of to an extent. Yeah. Yep. But you also find out that hero's actually always been messed up. Basically, mm-hmm. hero is a schizophrenic. Like mm-hmm. she has another personality living in her head right um although i don't think it ever fully takes control or anything like that she has this other person that's always talking to her right and after she gets to hanging out with victoria the the queen of the amazons Mm -hmm. um she kind of takes on that persona and now she sees her everywhere right which is a bit troubling yeah really troubling especially in that bunker and we don't know what's going to happen in there i mean we really don't know what happens yet right in that it just kind of le- leaves it at she's kind of like do it do it yes. do it do it do murder it, time kill, kill. and then we get into and this is what's really interesting about this because i was wondering we don't know what i mean if you haven't read the entire series you don't know at this point what's killed all the men was it the fact that 355 took the uh the necklace out of what palestine or israel or wherever that jordan was, jordan that she had it what you know what protected uh york mm-hmm. was it this magic ring that he has you know wearing around his neck we find out that york and and 355 and dr man have indeed made it to san francisco and have been there for a while mm-hmm. and uh, dr man is doing all sorts of tests we see also which i found really fascinating while the rest of the country is really the shit san francisco yeah. the west coast seems to be yeah seems to be o- relatively okay i yeah. mean they still have some food issues but they've got running lights Mm -hmm. people can go watch sports ships are coming in and out. ships are coming in and out of port it's all very interesting and we also find out that uh that hero is trying to track him down we also find out that there's a mysterious ninja tracking york's every move ninja who's been tracking them for a while now yeah yeah and we get a c-355 take on some uh some of her former agents dressed in burkas Mm mm-hmm Something else I don't understand. There's so much weird symbolism in this that ends up meaning nothing. True. Yeah. Because the first, my first thing is when the, when the you know the women in the Burkish show up, I'm like, uh oh, this means something. Oh no, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Well, it kind of does. I mean, the in that later on they explain that they're basically these are 
former members of the Culper ring that are right. part of a splinter cell called like the Setoket ring or something right. like that. Right. Um, and they talk about what they've been doing abroad since the the big catastrophe that killed all the men. Right. And they talk about how they have been in the Middle East and doing all this stuff. So it kind of and and three fifty five calls them out on it. You know, they're like, you know, you should see how happy all those women are. They can vote and they can do this and they can do that. And three fifty five is like, and they would probably give it all away again if they could have their their brothers, brothers and their fathers and their back. fathers yeah. back. Um, yeah. And that kind of to me, that's the symbolism of these characters wearing the burkas. Is mm-hmm. they have they kind of have appropriated this thing from a different culture and are trying to play it like they're cool and like they know what they're yeah. doing but they don't yeah because they don't understand what that they don't understand represents. like they're yeah. trying to put their own meaning into something right just like you know a bunch of islamic women pulling out those like wacky little extendo sticks yeah yeah that uh 355 uses and beating you up yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense the the thing that's that's really interesting though and, and about this arc and i forget what it's called i think it's called the ring ring of truth or something like that is, ring is of the truth arc. yeah um we don't know what's caused it and you know there's always this sense of is it magic you know what you know yep. what exactly it is and um the assassins take york's ring uh and the instant that he gets back to the doctor's office he collapses mm-hmm. it's throwing up and oh boy looks like he's got the got the plague yep turns out that's not quite the case nope turns out that uh he decided he'd rather get into some Botulism, <laughs> botulized food. He ate, he ate some bad tomato paste. I yes, think. and that's what's caused him to be really sick. Of course, no one knows it until much later. Uh, but Dr. Mann does make an incredible discovery of why... The York, last man. Why York is the last man. Mm-hmm. Turns out, Ampersand, the monkey, he's the one that has the anti antivirus, or the mm-hmm. antidote, or yeah. whatever it is. The antigen. <laughs> And, and because, yep. because Ampersand likes throwing his poo around, it's theorized that somehow some of that may have been ingested into yep. Yorick has Yorick. come into contact with it. And thus he is immune. Um, Matthew, I, I'm going to go back to the, uh, you know, uh, Yorick keeps saying, oh, I've got to have this ring back. That's the thing that's saving me. 355 mm-hmm. goes to meet the, uh, the three assassins. Uh-huh. And... She thinks they're going to take that artifact back to Jordan, return it back there, um, to help in this plague. And so she gives it up in exchange for the ring, but they destroy it. What was, you know, what was your take on this? I, I thought it was interesting that the writing actually played with the notion that it was a magic ring for mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they never, I mean, we had no idea what it was that was keeping Yorick safe or what it was that killed the others for that matter at this point in time. And he said that it was, you know, he felt it was that ring and his love for Beth and blah, 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 magic fish cakes. But when it came right down to it, every bit of evidence pointed to the fact that, holy crap, the ring was keeping him alive. Mm -hmm. I really liked the fact that they didn't, you know, they didn't come out and immediately say for like three issues, oh no, it is the ring that is, it's not the ring that's keeping him alive. And when he finally figures it out, you know, he realizes that he's built this whole Beth thing up in his head so big that she is his savior. And it's all, his, his words are, it's all a crapshoot. Literally. Yeah. I love well, the way that plays out. It's very real world kind of mm-hmm. beat in that you believe something and you believe something and then the truth comes out and you have that feeling of kind of like, oh, 
you know, it's it's not a, a, a cinematic moment at all, but it's a really true one, and it really rocks. Oh, yeah, right. it's a good character moment. I also like the fact that that hero makes it to San Francisco and saves 355's life, mm-hmm. and they all get back together, and they have a happy reunion, yep. uh, in a sense, for family members. Um, But then, you know, things get pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I thought the ninja, because you know, every time we've seen the ninja, she's like, yes, Dr. M, yes, right. Dr. M. You're like, oh, she's somehow communi- communicating with Dr. Man. We don't know that yet. Turns out that she's really there to steal ampersand. the antidote, and she steals ampersand and runs off, uh, which leads yeah. to uh, a high-speed ninja t- chase across the Golden Gate Bridge. Yes, that was the whole, that's the song. That's, that's the, the, that's the whole thing. That's how that whole issue goes. They get it on the end. <laughs> uh, which brings us then to the next arc. They find out that the uh, the ninja was probably working for a Dr. M. A secret And Dr. she's going M. back to this Yokotaga in Japan mm-hmm. where Dr. Man's mother lives. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Mm-hmm. Dun-dun-dun. So they have to get a boat and head to Japan. Yep. They're going to be going around the world, I bet, by the time this is all over. Oh, yeah. And they get on a ship. And York gets it on with the captain. He doesn't quite get it on no, with the captain. No, but she's she's Comes pretty attractive. Close, she's a pretty attractive uh, drawing of a female. Mm-hmm. Um, she's cute. There's something in the hold, Rodrigo. <gasps> something we're not meant to know about in right. the ship. There's something on the wing. But the minute that uh, you know that the that York is discovered on the ship and they explain it to the captain, she's like, "Sure, yeah, whatever, man. Mm-hmm. I'll help you out. I'll do whatever I, I can." Oh, by the way, uh, York, you're looking pretty handsome and studly. Why don't you stay in my cabin? Mm-hmm. Of course, that makes three fifty five angry. Kind of upsets Doctor Man as well. Mm-hmm. They're sharing a cabin, mm-hmm. and they get it on. <sighs> Okay, stop do. with the getting it on. <laughs> it, uh, it's actually okay, in a this, really in sweet this instance, <laughs> In this instance, but he's technically correct. <laughs> that you, you no, think you can get it on. No, he's not. Stop it. You stop it. Gyro Robo is a, is a Nova creature. Listen to me. It's not like that. It's one of those moments that, it, yes, uh, okay, 355 and Dr. Man do, in fact, have sex. But it's it's not like you know, creepy Cinemax after dark sex. It's like mm-hmm. two people who've been friends for a long time just going, mm, okay, let's try this. And it, it's actually kind of a sweet sequence until York bursts in on them and interrupts the whole thing. But I, I, I mean, to say they get it on is just kind of, I don't know, it's disingenuous. <laughs> it's its not that kind of a book, you know. It's right, not right. drawn by Philip well, Bond. There, let's put it there's that a lot of sex, as Rodrigo said. There's a lot of sex in mm-hmm. this issue. There's also a lot of deception well, in this issue. I mean, I, in this in this volume. I was surprised it's like every time we turn around, deception, 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 deception. In mm-hmm. this case, there's a pass, There's a, a crew member on board who kills the uh, the radio girl. And is sending out a message to this submarine saying, hey, the package is on board. Come and take care of the ship. And we're led to believe that someone's found out about York, that the submarine, which turns out to be the Australians, because they're the only country that allow their women to serve on in the Navy. Mm-hmm. In submarines. In submarines. Um, they think that they're coming after York. Turns out we got a little bit of a double cross going. Turns out that the agent who was on the ship 
wasn't looking for Yorick, didn't really care about Yorick. Mm-hmm. It's because this crew is mm-hmm. transporting heroin dun, dun, to dun. Australia and to Japan. And in, in Australia, it has just ravaged the country. You know why? You know why they're transporting heroin? Why is that? Because it's her Owen. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and then they get it on. <laughs> Not quite, but it is pretty bad. You know the you know the you know what's going on, and and the captain even admits later that she's just like, look, I thought I was going to be able to do something good, but you know, then it just turns out this is the way that I could make a living, and I mm. and I turn in, into that character. That right. character in every story that you read that isn't the good person, right? And she, I think, is generally feels a little bit of remorse in this in this whole situation. Well, once the once the navy attacks and starts blowing up their ship, yeah, she realizes and, and, what she's done isn't really a good thing. Yeah, and her justification for it makes sense. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, m- money needs to start moving around. Ship lines need to be opened. What? How? How is this going to happen? Drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, she she makes the point is like. Uh, like basically, Australia and and China and all those countries became open to the West, really with opium. Yeah, with opium trade. Sure. So why not kickstart that again? Yeah. Uh, but it's too bad that the uh, Australian Navy sinks the the whale. Sink, sinks the whale. Sinks the ship. And um, Captain maybe goes down with the ship. She disappears. They don't find mm-hmm. her body. Uh, York and his crew are saved. Um, and, uh, the Australians agree to take them to, to Japan. Mm-hmm. And then the Israelis Captain's show back got up. a great head of hair on her. Boy. Which yeah. one? Which captain? The, the captain the, of the, the whale. Captain of the whale. Yeah, she's really drawn very well. And really, to talk about the art, the art in this issue it continues to just be, I think, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the coloring is awesome. The the layout and the design is awesome. I mean, it's it's fairly simple layout. I mean, there's right. nothing uh, over spectacular. There aren't any times that you know they extend outside of the of the um, of the borders yeah. of the panel. Definitely, um, the, there's there's the 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 why the last man style, right? Which is a lot of these wide panels that just kind of cut across the page. There's mm-hmm. very there are very few long yeah verticals. Uh, vertical panels, mm-hmm. and of course the the usual like, um, you know where where if this was a movie, and I think we've talked about it before, is like. You cut through a scene. What do you mean, Yorick's in San Francisco? Cut to black titles, Tel Aviv, right? You know, and then yeah, you go yeah, back yeah. to the story, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the last issue in this arc, we go and check out what's going on with Beth, mm-hmm. and she's having a not a fever dream, but uh, a drug-induced dream. Mm-hmm. One of the Aboriginal women keeps spitting some kind of a hallucinogen, hallucinogen into her face, and she keeps having these these dreams about Yorick and how she met and flashbacks of her life. And at one point Yorick basically tells her, Hey Beth, no, I'm, I'm really alive. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of those prophetic kind of like, Whoa, are they really that close to one another that they're communicating? Or is she just know that in her heart or she just wants to believe it or, you know, what's going on. But she wakes up in the middle of nowhere and knows that she's got to go find Yorick too. Mm -hmm. And since the Australian army probably has to go to Australia. Yep. I'm gonna bet that uh, something happens there. I like the I like I really like the the Beth moments mm-hmm. in here. Um, I thought they were great. And here's the thing: Change this is the first pace. time we've seen her. 
Right. Um, that's not in a flashback. If th- her last page that we see her on is very reminiscent of the end of the first volume in which Yorick is kind of at this Y-shaped intersection mm-hmm. in this like completely empty city. Mm-hmm. You know, here she is in the middle of the Australian outback and there's even a little kangaroo, which you can maybe look at it cocked and, and think that it's a Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I, and I like how that reveal goes from, you know, Beth, I'm Alive, where she suddenly realizes in this dream that she's having of the two of them, uh, having a water gun fight, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, giant ampersand shows up and tries to take him. Mm-hmm. She rips off her clothes, and she's a super her- heroine. And the the art dives into the, the dot, yeah, the half-tone the, the, yep. uh, coloring uh, style. And then she realizes, wait a minute, this isn't my dream. This is your dream. I'm inside your dream. And he's like, yeah, Beth, I'm alive. No, Beth, I am alive. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh. And that's when she wakes up. And I thought that was really kind of cool how they transitioned into the the halftone style and then immediately back out so you knew that she was awake and back in the real world. I mm-hmm. thought that was well done. Matthew, any thoughts on that Beth issue? I like the Beth issues. I think that this is one of those weird kind of stories that I really, I think of as Vertigo-style storytelling, and I think it's probably that, that Sandman kind of thought process of, here's seven issues of Ark and... Oh, remember that character we touched in with 20 issues ago? Yeah, here's another few minutes of them. Yeah, I right. like the Beth issue. I, I like the interactions with Beth. What I really like is the fact that everybody in this book has an internal life of their own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really difficult when, when you're reading stuff like this to occasionally not have the, the artist and the writer fall into that everybody's on the same page and speaking with the same voice. I mean, hell, even Rod Serling had episodes where it sounded like all the characters were little Rod Serling's talking to each other. Consider for your... Yeah. Yeah. If you ever see an episode called The Fear in the fourth season of The Twilight Zone, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But this book doesn't fall into that trap because we'll be sitting here and York will say something snotty and stupid and I'll be like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then Agent 355 will totally no-sell the joke. Dr. Mann will get it but say something rude about what a nerd he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's fascinating that in those first three issues of this, this arc, this collection, I did not read the original issues. Um, <laughs> the first three issues of this arc, the character that I feel the most actual connection to the character who's really my point of view character is beth beth mm-hmm. gets most of the talking time most of the action in fact almost all right. of the action in that whole you know that first arc oh yeah she gets i like i like but shut your face <laughs> enough with that no you know why you I know like why she gets beth all the talking as much parts. or more than i do york you know why she gets all the talk talking parts don't you because tell me why all this time up to these 24th, 23 issues, we've seen what Yorick has done. We've experienced everything that Yorick's done. Now we get to see it from a female perspective, and considering that she's just made this big, long speech about how uh, confession doesn't work because there's no male priest, who does she end up confessing to? A male. She tells mm-hmm. him her whole story and why she feels really put off by everything. And then she's also the one to give him that advice to say, hey, you don't need to come back for me. Go and find your real true love. I've gotten mm-hmm. everything off she, my chest. 
she gives him as much absolution as he gives her. And I think that's yeah. kind of the, the reason of having it take place in a church setting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's really what's cool about why the last man in general is there are a lot of layers to it. Um, you can just see it as, you know, last guy on earth treks across the United States, then world mm-hmm. trying to make sense of it all. Or you can, you know, sit down with any given issue and be like, you know, why is this happening in a church? Right. You know, it's like a a man comes to a church looking for forgiveness and instead finds a woman. What does that mean? You know? And when you read this book, it doesn't feel like, you know, we, we talk occasionally about that cinematic storytelling and, you know, this is all widescreen authority crap, but this book shoots tropes in the face. Mm-hmm. Anytime something pops up, it's not played straight. Dr. Man, you know, is this, this super, super nerdy kind of scientist type, and she plays that whole Spock archetype, and she's the one who puts the moves on 355. And you, you look at 355 as, you know, that super spy archetype, and then she spends her time knitting a scarf because she doesn't have anything else to do with her hands. Every time Yorick tries to turn it into a big adventure or an action movie, something horrible happens. In, the, in that previous arc, he was trying to live out an action movie. He shot a girl in the leg thinking he was being clever and then watched her bleed to death because he, he you know, hit her femoral artery. Mm-hmm. All of these, all of these cliches, they pop up, and then they're just horribly inverted, or even worse, they're they're you know pointed out as being ridiculous cliches, and then the characters, you know, get kicked in the face forever trying to live out or deal with these cliches. So, it's a very down to earth series. There's there mm-hmm. is nothing here that's not perfectly normal people in an unusual setting. I really want to see HBO or Showtime pick pick this up as a series. Mm. I don't think you could play oh. this. I don't think you could play this this book off on like an FX network. You really couldn't. Oh. Um, you might on an AMC type channel, but I think Showtime or HBO could really go to town on this. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't let the preacher deal go through. Mm-hmm. But why the last man is just every time I read it, it reads so well on so many different levels Mm -hmm. and you know really with the success of um walking dead which is another apocalyptic story Mm -hmm. and how well it's been received i think they could do something really great with why the last man see and that's that that whole comic book movies and comic book stories do x really the only thing that the walking dead and why the last men have in common is that they are sprawling apocalyptic stories with a male right. character at the center. That's it. I mean, everything else, it, for all the realism that people talk about in The Walking Dead, it's, it's not a realistic tale. It is a, it's, it's a movie. It's a zombie movie, and it's played as a zombie movie. This is played completely straight, and that's to me, that's one of the hardest things to do, especially in comics where you can have that unlimited budget and you can say, and oh, by the way, Beth can fly. Yeah, yeah. No, you wouldn't have to do that. This wouldn't be a big budget thing. I mean, there would be some moments where you have to do big budget because you've got dead bodies all around and you've got buildings that have burned down because you are out major intersections. Yeah, you've got to do those kinds of things. But I mean, there's nothing in it that strikes me as super big budget. In fact, a lot of it takes place in 
alleyways and empty rooms and buildings, Mm -hmm. that would be super easy to put into a production. But the fact that it's the story that I like, number one, and the character development and interaction that I find fascinating, and I think that they could play this straight through, um, just as it's written, you wouldn't have to change too much uh, Mm -hmm. to make it play for audiences. And I think it would do super well. I think it would do great. Would you want to see this on HBO or Showtime? Um, I I wouldn't. I don't want to pay for HBO and Showtime. They're very expensive. <laughs> well, what if it came out as a as a uh, Netflix thing later on on the on the oh. DVDs? Yeah, I I definitely watch it to to give it a shot. It, it's uh, this is one of those things, you know. Why the Last Man is one of those things where it's like, wow, this sure would make a great ongoing series, mm-hmm. but man, they would have to tread so lightly to not mess it up. And you know, the thing is, is once like. How many people do you think were involved in creating Why the Last Man, um, like, counting, like, Vertigo and, and DC? Like, how many people put, you know, kind of slid the, the book along to press? Probably no more than 25, right. if you're talking about people in the decision-making. Right. How many how many people total do you think would be involved oh, if this was an FX hundreds. or, or, or well, AMC you series? You couldn't put it on FX, but you sure. Or a, a, yeah. a, pr- a premium cable right, 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 right. series. Um, and every one of those people is is a potential infection right. vector right, right. that can slowly or not so slowly skew this out of you know the we the less control the author has on it. Chuck Morrissey. Yep. Exactly. Well, it's you know it, it, we were talking a while back about that show, um, a, th- a thousand ways to die, mm-hmm. and how they were basically like. Well, we need to make this meaner and more sexy. Mm-hmm. You know what? What if that happened to Why the Last One? I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to see it as a show. I'm just saying, the moment they announce it, I will start to worry. Yeah. Well, at one point it was supposed to be a movie, and I don't know how you could turn this into a movie. Well, you could. You could probably. You do could do it, it into a part one. Yeah, you'd have to cut out huge chunks of it. And I think when you take out the huge chunks, that usually means the character You take out Hero, moments. you take yep. out the whole arc with the with the travel, you you know, you shut it down. You have it be across the country. The main character is played by uh I don't know, M- Jesse Eisenberg. Nah. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you you could do it, but it wouldn't be the same thing. Yeah, that's why I think it would need to be a, a series. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So. Well, even then, you'd be dealing with problems of adaptation decay. I think that sure. I mean, that's going to be an issue so no matter what. People. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like let this book stand on its own. Read the book because honestly, this is one of the stories that doesn't need to be a movie. It doesn't need to be a series, simply because honestly, if this were a TV series in front of five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred million people, the gender politics would be astronomically annoying i mean there were Mm -hmm. a lot of gender politics issues about these books when they were coming out and i had people telling me i will not read it because it's a feminist propaganda and you killed all the men i'm like really amazingly you you get you get it from both sides too yeah you know there's people who think it's misogynistic yeah i don't think that i want there to be an adaptation of this or sandman or preacher for that matter but specifically this because what it is stands on its own it's what 10 trade paperbacks it's a 90 issue arc it has a beginning it has a middle and an end it has really strong characterization this is one of my favorite arcs of the series because they all get it on 
Hmm. Really? I guess I passed no. over that part. <laughs> Pass Bottom over. line, Rodrigo. Bottom line, Rodrigo. Uh, obviously, if you've read this far in Why the Last Man, you gotta keep reading. Um, I enjoyed this. It's probably, like, the first, really the first arc so far has been my favorite, I think. Really? Um, I think that uh, the author, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, right. does a great job of giving you information. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think that a lesser writer would have been like, and it wasn't a magic ring at all at the very end. But we're not even halfway through this. Right. And he's like, oh, by the way, the ring's not magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to tell you what he, it actually is pretty soon. But here, he guys. teased us with that mm-hmm. to a point. Yep. yep. And, and I that's, thought that and was that's, really well. And that's the important thing is that there's this information, but he also knows where all the valves are. Right. So it's like, okay, all of you guys who were wondering about this, here's that information. Yeah. And you got to keep reading to get the rest. Yeah, it's see, actually the, really the, well The bad done. thing would be if this was a TV series, they'd probably let J.J. Abrams produce it. And mm-hmm. we'd never find yeah, out never what find cost. They would have the, to keep vamping there in the middle. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, and by the way, the person playing 355 got in a car crash because uh, she was drunk, so she's off the show. <laughs> so she's going to be replaced by uh, Anna Lucia. Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Uh, you're right. It, it, it's He's giving us the, the stuff that we need, those breadcrumbs to make us follow the trail even further, mm-hmm. those little nuggets of information that we need. And you're right. That's what makes it good. Yep. So I, it's definitely a recommendation. Definitely. So let me, ask, let me ask you this. Because we've talked, you've just mentioned you've read this far, you're probably going to continue reading. Mm-hmm. Hardback or paperback? I think I think for something like this, you might as well spring for the hardback. You know, on uh, okay, well, there's there's two two options, obviously. One, and and this is this is what I would do. If I was so into this that I just had to have it all right now, mm-hmm. I would probably buy the paperbacks because then that giant chunk out of my wallet would be cheaper. Yeah. Um, if I was ingesting it like I am now, whenever we remember to do Why yeah, the yeah, Last yeah. Man, yeah. then I would probably go out and get the. Uh, the, the hardbacks hard and you know why the last man the first volume is is floating around on my amazon wish list it's just none of my relatives have uh have have gotten it for me yet rodrigo's relatives come on nah, that's all right my brother got me the uh judas contract oh cool Finally. i think nice. well it's 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 funny because it wasn't on I, I i you know you can set that stuff up by what you want the most yeah but when somebody access it the first thing they see is by the latest thing so he saw it at the top because i had only recently put it on mm-hmm. he's like oh i'll get him this awesome click <laughs> um which is fine and i love it and it's it's, it's good times but it wasn't on uh, uh, at the top of my list right. which i keep telling them like if you find something that you want to give me that's not at the top of the list just give it to me it's all good that's why it's on the list very cool yeah. rodrigo i mean matthew over to you rod matthew math rigo uh, I I think I've said everything I need to say about Why the Last Band, and it goes a little something like this. Buy it, read it, you won't regret it. Burma Shave. And there you go. And for me, I say it's a, it's a must-read. I really enjoyed, I think, this arc of all the, th- the three volumes that we've read so far. This one is my favorite, not because I get it on, but because I, I really think that there's a lot more character development, a lot more backstory that we learn about these these characters, uh, and there just seems to be a lot more emotion going on uh, with all the characters. And the art is fantastic. I mean, I really like the art uh, in this volume. So yeah. go pick it up. Yeah, Garen um, knocks it out. Yeah, there's a link right there on the show notes to uh, go over to uh, Amazon and order the book. A little money comes our way if you order it through our store. 
And I think, you know what, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening, being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Uh, don't know what we're going to do next week. I thought I had an idea for something, but didn't write it down. The Adventures of Gyro Robo. Yes, yeah, Screwhead. Next week <laughs> on the Major Spoilers Podcast. Don't Why? Because me? we know that you love GoBots, and we love Transformers, and we will talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the ons Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This has been a Major Spoilers podcast Copyright 2011 Goodbye See you on the next show